number of questions which I really yeah. want to talk to you okay, about. Great. Let's go back to your education in music. There's a kind of a big lie that is told by many uh, rock musicians, and I've heard a lot of uh, people say it, that studying music is antithetical to rock and roll, but you are the living embodiment of the fact that that is not true. So, so it, people don't, don't, I've even heard McCartney say it when I was working with McCartney, he just knows so much harmony and he can play literally any kind yeah. of chord progression, but he refuses to admit that he knows what he's doing, which he really does. You know, he right. said, oh yeah, if I studied music, I, it would, it would ruin me. I wouldn't be able to be a musician. So yeah. I'd love to hear your opinion of all that. I believe he did know what he was doing. Of course. And I believe that he actually took lessons from my harmony professor, John Gardner, because he told me that he'd been to a few lessons with him. Okay. Uh, I, I do believe in the early days, if I may say, uh, you know, reverently in every reverence to, to McCartney, he was intimidated by the classical style of mu music or, or right. anything, anything that theorized it, okay? Uh, so he learned it. He made it his business to know, you know, and he knew in his ears and his hands that was a no-brainer. You know, he could sit down and, and, and God bless the guy. You know, we all have one song we, we keep writing. I don't know whether you're the same, but, <laughs> I, you know, I go back to the same roots for me that floats my boat, and it's probably one or two ideas. He has... 20 ideas indeed and, and indeed. then is able to change up from yesterday to back in the ussr you yes, know it, it, it's uncanny that side but that was his upbringing with his dad you know it, as it was all with us i'm sure indeed. your father your, i know your father the same because i know your history but you know my father played me ted heat he, yes, he played me woody herman he right. played all the jazz McCartney was growing up with that and it was going in and you know we we grew up with how much is that doggy in the window <laughs> we but, but, all did. let's go to the dichotomy which was his co-writer which was John Lennon now he didn't care he he was the one who went okay I'm gonna write a B natural in this F chord and sing it right with conviction <laughs> I'm going to write a note that's not in the chord. I right. don't know what note, I don't care what note it is, but I'm singing it and writing it because it sounds good. And then McCartney would go, okay, well, that is an F flat five, yes. you know? So, you know, and, and he theorized it in a way, pretending he didn't. I'm just a rock and roller, you know, yeah. just don't, don't look at me. I don't, I don't know this, but he does. He does. Yeah. He has to know it. A lot of it was George bringing that color, you know, reimagining stuff. And I always remember that thing they wrote on the score, Paul McCartney, George Martin, and Mozart. Yeah, right. Exactly. By, by writing Mozart, to me, that, that was almost his intimidation. Yes. It was like, I don't understand what you're doing, but I want to, you know, it yeah. was that. Paul had told me that he kind of fought against the strings on yesterday to, to start with. He was yeah. very suspicious of it. Yeah. But when he heard it, 
it was it was like wow and so that's why he asked him to do eleanor rigby game changer and again you get you can hear him on the intro where he says uh i'm in g which is f for you yeah that's right he knew he knew stuff one of the things that that mccartney had uh, was an enormous frame of reference so he could play a lot of different styles and write in many different styles. Now, what I'm interested in with, because you are now doing a lot of teaching. And yeah. when you see these students, at least for me in teaching, what I find is that the student's frame of reference is microscopic oh, yeah. compared, to, compared to how it, it was. I mean, certainly when we were growing up, you and I used to listen to everything voraciously. Oh, yeah. and, and, and you and I, I'm sure, listened to music that was, you know, 50, 60 years before us, and then classical music way before that. So, but I find that the students today, and I'd be interested to hear if your students, the new ones who come in, have that same lack of knowledge or even interest in music that's gone before. We're in the land of what we call millennials. They're parents from the punk era. So I get a lot of parents coming into me going, wow, you produced the alarm? We know the alarm, yeah. you know? And, and, and I bought all those records. I said, yeah, you know, I did their first record, you know, and been friends. That's their reference because that's their parents' reference. Now their grandparents, are where we are. Yes, indeed. Well, I have to take that that step. I yeah. have to not only own it, but admit to that step to going, okay, we just had a group to meet Alan Parsons for a Q&A. I took, nice. took about 24 students out at the Musicians Hall of Fame in Nashville, plug, plug. And right. we we went to meet there. And Alan was graciously that he would do a Q&A with the kids. Probably half of them didn't know who he was. Yeah. Or what he did because yeah. look up dark side of the moon and, and and then see the heritage of this man you know so i i teach them everything theoretically i teach them everything scientifically you know what microphone what it likes where to put it yes you know um and then i teach them also the music side i say you have to not just understand the music but be able to reimagine their music and become an arranger. Because if it, the best producers are the arrangers or the producers who know how to hire an arranger to, to, to bring like you, like we would hire you sure. because of your wildly magnificent expertise and, and bring in that genius to the thing. It's kind of like a root canal going to try to get them to dig back. I can't be the teacher that goes back in the day all the time. Yes, no, of course not. With the now, I've got to relate it with what they're relating to. Sure. With with the the records that they they want to make, hmm. which are really the new arrangers of the programmers. And now I do I do encourage them to dig into the backroom doors. I always say, look, I'm 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 very happy being a backroom boy or being, let's go again for you, the invisible artist. Yes. I'm very happy in that place. That's my job. I'm the coach. I'm... Now I also do teach them real world. I do say, look, 
there's certain things you just can't read in books. And a lot of it is going to be your language. What you say, what you do, just yes. be careful. Be careful of your language because your language is going to either take you up the ladder or down the ladder. And I always teach them CPR, which is courtesy, professionalism, and respect. If you have those three, and then anybody that comes in your studio, treat them like you too. Another thing that I'm finding as as we grow older in this profession is that for the first time in my life in the last 10 years, I've walked into professional studios because for some reason I'm still working. I don't know why, but I still walk into professional studios and I find engineers, recording engineers, who don't know how to mic up acoustic instruments properly. I say you want to get as natural a sound as you possibly can from the instrument. Work with your musician. Try it out. Bring the musician in and agree with them on the sound. Don't, don't assume you've got it until they say you've got it. My goal is the other side of the glass is to get exactly what you, what you are producing in the room. Exactly. Now, that, there's a technique to that, which is putting the microphone in the right place. In the right place, yes. Putting several microphones in the right place. And, you know, knowing those microphones intimately. So I, I try to teach them how to listen to an instrument first. Right. You've got to know which microphone to grab and exactly where to put it. And the player's going to change sometimes. Of course. The players and, have different sounds. You know, when I the other side of the glass from Roger Daltrey. You know, I was pinching myself going, this was when I was 14, I would watch The Who. Sure. You know, this is my boyhood hero. And here yeah. I am, here I am, you know, telling him yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And, and, and the great thing is, you know, because you and I have both had uh, situations where we're working with somebody who's very famous. Yeah. Uh, it's very important not to be starstruck. It's very important to just be yourself uh, yeah. because then th that's what they're paying you for. That's what they need. They need somebody. I mean, when I, when I first met McCartney, uh, one of the things he did was he asked me what I thought of his new record. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't sound like classic McCartney. It sounds like you were kind of experimenting and some of the tracks worked and some didn't. And then after I said that, I, my, I froze and thought, okay, yeah. I've just lost the job. And in fact, he said, I'm so glad you said that, just the same way you said Kevin Rowland said to you. He said, oh, I'm so glad because everybody around here just tells me I'm great. But yeah. that was great. And, and because of that, I do want to work with you. So I, I think that's a wonderful uh, example of that. Yeah, it's a difficult position for them because everybody is blowing smoke from every, every angle. Yes. And, and you're no good with that. You, 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 like I say to my, my students, you know, you can't get starstruck. You can't suddenly, no. you can't do that and start because you're not doing your job. They're booking no, you to exactly. do that. I'm going to go back to Babe Ruth as a okay. concept. Now, I've got to say, you have had that band going for some ridiculous amount of time with the same <laughs> members. How oh. on earth? Yeah. Did you uh, keep all those guys friendly and happy? For th so you must be the only example of that. I can't think of too many other bands who lasted forty-five years or whatever it is. Forty-five years, yeah. It is. That, 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 how, it, how did you do it? 
unwittingly, we were developing another career in hip hop. Right. Uh, one of the pieces that I wrote, the very first album, was called The Mexican. Indeed. And, and that, that piece um, sort of got somehow sampled from everyone to Sugar Ray to R. Kelly, my co-writer, who's now in jail and convicted, uh, to uh, everyone who, Africa Bombata, and, and these are names that we really didn't realize. I, I pretty much left the band on the third album, and the Mexican went on into the Bronx, and they were playing a white label in the clubs. They didn't know who it was. This is the story I got. Yes. And the DJ called DJ Coolherc, your listeners might know Grandmaster Flash, they were playing the Mexican in, in, the, in the Bronx clubs when the hip-hop thing was starting, unwittingly to me. Now, I, when I composed the Mexican, I thought of this beat. I just said to the drummer, we had a drummer, God bless him. He loved the drummer in Jethro Tull. He loved uh, Clive Bunker, and he yeah. wanted to be Clive Bunker. And, and I said, no, I said, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the old soul days, and you're going to hold down the beat with no fills, and he, he, was a, he was a little ruffled with it, but he was okay in the end. Anyway, I thought of this crazy beat that was dun 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 you know, that thing. That's it, that's it. And I, and I said, don't come off that beat. I said, keep the beat. And it, it, it was funny. And I said, we're just going to roll over the top with some lines in thirds and crazy stuff. It's a bit like Spinal Tap where he says, it's something, something between stupid and clever. But that's what, <laughs> that, that's what it was. But it, uh, so, and then a melody that I'd written and the chord progression, of course, and the, the silly stories we all could write when we were 21. Sure. But, but um, anyway, coming up to that, we were not aware of this, having a new life. And then it kept going. And I, I remember I was sitting in Tony's studio. I was in, I was in London with the alarm. And uh, I was reading the billboard and I saw the Mexican and then Janita Hahn was a singer. They'd flown her to New York, and there was a DJ in New York called Jelly Bean Benitez. Yeah, sure. He had called me on the phone, on the old school phones in Abbey Road. He said, yeah. Radio Richard, share, subscribe, even donate. And he said, hey, I'm the greatest DJ in New York. And he said, I'm Madonna's boyfriend. I said, oh, right, congrats. Right. He said, I, I want to remix the Mexican. This was 12 years later that it came out. The wheels turned and eventually he re-recorded the whole thing because he right. couldn't get the original tape. And I, I called my management company. I said, guess what? We're, we're 18 in the Billboard, Billboard dance chart here. Right. This was 84, 84. And, and I, he said, no. He said, you're looking at last week's, you're number one. <laughs> okay. And I went, that's a bonus. So what was happening was this thing had a life of its own right. in the on the dance floor. Indeed. And then, meanwhile, uh, we were getting people who would take, I did a Spanish guitar intro, which was like a tremolo thing on the, yeah. uh, and uh, two sides, two guitars. And uh, what, it was kind of a, a, a A minus six to B7, if you kids want to know. Brought my B7 back from when I was 12. But uh, it was sampled. Uh, Sugar Ray sampled it on the song Fly. Yeah. 
and, and put about 10 seconds of it, uh, we heard that dear old R. Kelly, our infamous friend, put it on a song called Dancing with the Rich Man and actually sampled it, I, don't, I can't remember how many times, 50 times or something, and even modded it, modulated it in the middle, and, and uh, uh, taken it and made it, made it a song called Dancing with the Rich Man, which was on the R album, which was eight times platinum and, and, and had, a, had a Grammy. Right. So this thing, Richard, I have to say, it, it, it took another life. So how do we keep the band back together? All right, so in 2002, this is going to date me, so we were called by the B-Boy uh, international people in London. There was a DJ called DJ Booch yes. who yeah. said, we want you to come to London and close out our championship party, uh, which is going to be um, held in London. We got to play the end of that show to hero worship because they were on their knees and it was humble. It, they're on their knees doing this. And I'm going, what is going on? Yeah. You know, and they had taken it as their anthem for the B-boy, the, the breakdancing yes. community. community. Um, uh, unbelievable. You know, that very night, the band said, well, can you write another record? <laughs> I said, yeah. I'll try. You know, I don't want to be, you know, boring old farts trying to pull it back. You know, yeah. I don't. I definitely don't want that. I, I, I want to do something that's dignified. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I wrote the record called Capasa, which actually, ironically, I can do a plug, is about to come out on vinyl. Um, we, we did get it out on CD, and I, I'm proud of it. We did it mostly sort of transatlantic stuff, you know, back uh -huh. and forth. And we, we, uh, the singer and the keyboardist came to my house and recorded their parts. And right. You know, I'm, I'm still going to absolutely put a put a very nice knife to your throat and and force you to, right. to answer this part of the question yeah. which is i i understand i understand financially how yeah. you've kept the band together but yeah. you know people man producing is about relationships with people oh, and being a being a band leader is about relationships it's very rare yeah. to have all of those people in that band still be friends today and still be able to go out and do a gig together and and you know have a pizza together how right. how did that happen how well, did you get okay. lucky enough that your first meeting with these guys that you put together and and and, and jenny how did it work out that you're all still friends well I, I think we admired each other for what we brought to the table in uh 2010 somehow canada <laughs> god bless her the east coast of Canada, Quebec, had really latched onto us. We uh, got fairly big in that area. I remember the very first record, uh, when we got the royalty statement back, we'd sold a thousand in England and we saw going 2000 in Canada, which was a, a lot, you know, a lot of records at the time for an early band. It was just the first sort of quarter. And we went, what? Canada, what's that about? So there was a DJ, uh, God bless him, and I can't remember his name and I should, but it was Shom FM Radio. Right. Uh, and they played, they just got into the band and, and kind of made it immortalized. So we were able to go to Canada and play Rockstar for a week and then come back down to America and lose the money again. But it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was actually 
that those guys who really supported it. So in 2010, they invited us back and said, would you come and do a, a reunion concert there? So we did three dates. We did mont Blanc. Uh, we did Montreal and, and then Ottawa. So that kind of glued it back, thinking, yeah. okay, we, we can still do this with dignity and, you know, get up there without a, a walking frame. Or a and, and you can still have laughs together. Yeah, and we, we're still all friends. We're still all friends now. And then in 2014, we headlined at Summerfest in Milwaukee. Indeed. Uh, and... Uh, Again, it kind of glued it back. You know, we didn't want to get up there and not be, you know, something that was dignified again. I'm sorry, I keep using that word, but it 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 seemed to me that, you know, we just didn't want to look like a bunch of, you know, old people <laughs> pulling it back yes. together and, and give them a good show because we've got great fans up there in, in in the mid the Midwest was particularly great for us, yeah. uh, Milwaukee especially. I remember, you know, just ZZ Top opened for us when we went yeah. to Milwaukee. It was crazy. It was like, like I was always apologizing to these bands. Sorry, you had open for, you know, for us and Manfred Man and absolutely crazy. Well, America is like 50 different countries in one place. Yeah. You know, in Texas, you might be millionaires, but, you know, outside of that, they don't know you. you know? Right, right. And, and all of these little milestones kind of glued it back. You've kind of been everywhere and done a lot of things how did you come to nashville why nashville well it's an interesting journey really uh my ex-wife was from atlanta georgia uh -huh. i had met her in atlanta when we were actually touring with baby and we i'd known her for a year and we got married right um, and we were married 25 years and we emigrated back from the uk it was actually on my biggest record. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, I produced an artist called Chesney Hawk. Her father died, and we decided to move the family. My kids at that time were six and eight years old. So we decided to just emigrate and come to Atlanta, Georgia, which is where we stayed for five years. When I was in Atlanta, I was traveling, producing, you know, New York, LA, London, sure. Greece. Nice. I produced. George Dolores in Greece and did lots of different things. And I just really wanted to settle down and be back with the family. So Nashville was about three hours from, from Atlanta drive. So she was near enough for her family there uh, and near enough to drive. So, and Nashville is of course a center, you know, as you know, for music. And, yes. and I had some friends up here uh, who were all kind of encouraging me to, you know, make the move. And, you know, we're, we're blessed with a bunch of great studios still, uh, yes. still, holding on, still holding on, you know. Uh, and in fact, Belmont, uh, the thing you can see behind me, own Ocean Way. So uh, the studio here, so it's a, it's a, nice. fab, it's a fabulous studio. And yes. we've got all the history here, you know, from RCAB, from, sure. Elvis, from Elvis to Patsy Klein. To, now, I'm not country, Richard. I am not, I've no, never... I, I, and I know that Nashville isn't just country music. I mean, yeah. I believe Michael yeah. McDonald lives down there. Yeah, yeah. Mike's here. Um, you know, a lot of I've made, of course, a great, great deal of great friends and fantastic musicians here that, that really are top notch in the world. 
Uh, actually, I'm producing right now, if I might plug it, uh, a classical record, which yours truly uh, is right in front of me, is involved in, if I may say, who has composed uh, a, a special piece for us and commissioned, which is a phenomenal piece. Richard, thank you from Carl Mine and Robert and myself. Uh, I, I knew you... I didn't quite think you would come up with it that quickly, but we were blown away. The piece is just fantastic. We are, yeah, we are. The guys are in process right now of practicing the piece, and we're going to record it as soon as we can. We're really excited about the piece you have composed for that record. I'm excited for them, and I, I'm I'm also excited that we can come back together in this way. You and I, you probably don't remember this, but I spoke spoke to you on the old phones on a Sunday. Yes. You were singing me jazz licks down the phone. You were yeah, going, oh, yeah. I'm feeling this. And, and, and there's all these bebop licks and, you know, getting me about three feet off the ground. Anyway, it, it, it happened and we brought those 10 horns and we absolutely nailed a, a legendary piece. Picking up the, the student thing again, you know, I, I, I really hope we can be the catalyst that, that makes them understand the heritage. Sure, sure. Of what, what they've come from and go to. The, the, the technology, Richard, now is such that, you know, uh, they all think post. They think post. And, and that's, a, that, that's a challenge as a teacher. You've got to say, think it in the mic, not in the mix. Right, right, right. I see. Think it in yes. the mic, not the mix. And I say, I have a button. To make you sound good, I have a button to EQ you. I've got a button to compress you. I can make yes. you sound like a million dollars, but I don't have a button for passion and delivery. Exactly. That's one thing I don't have right now that you've got to draw that from whoever's the other side of the glass from you, you know, and and be that and and be a nice guy. Be someone you know that you people want to hang with, you know. Exactly. Well, you're working you together. You are that. I want to hang with you, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope we will get a chance to do that very soon. Oh, yes, please. Uh, I would... Alan, we're going to talk again. And uh, not Great. only not only as friends, but uh, but also uh, on Radio Richard, because I've got you've got so much to talk about. And we've got uh, so many things we can we can well, talk about. It's been fantastic. Thank you for thinking of me. And, you know, and, and great. We're working together again. That's just Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I can't wait to come That's down and, and torture torture Carmine and Bob. I'm looking oh, forward no, to no, that. We would love it. We would absolutely love it. They, they, I saw them play a concert the other night and they were playing Beethoven and they, these guys are just, I, I just yeah. have no words about how good they are, you know, and I, I, I'm sort of going back to my roots a bit with the classical stuff, you know. Yeah, it's great, man. That's great. It, you know, it, you keep the, keep the flame burning, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, thank you for keeping the flame burning on Radio Richard. Thank you very much, Richard. All right. Okay. See you, man. Radio Richard is a unique collection of my interviews with fellow creators, revealing not only how they do that voodoo that they do so well, but why. So please, like, share, subscribe, and donate so I can keep this channel going and give you this great content. Radio Richard. Be informed, be amazed, be inspired. <laughs>